This is Van Color. Welcome back to This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and our featured guest today is one of Canada's most prominent and certainly most popular criminal defense lawyers, thanks to her high-profile string of success in courts and tribunals. She works for Acumen Law Corporation, but you may recognize her from elsewhere, as she's all over media, and her TikTok account has been blowing up. She's also my colleague on Soapbox Social on CBC radios on the coast with Gloria Makarenko. She is Kyla Lee. Kyla. Hello. Always nice to see you, especially in person. Yeah, I know. We never get to see each other in person anymore, so this is good. I'm actually very excited because we don't have to debate. I'm like <laughs> feeling good that I'm around you and I don't have to engage in a debate yeah, with you like on Soapbox Social. I don't have the upper hand for a change. This is unfair. <laughs> so I, I want to get to the issue at hand. We've heard from these anti-vax, anti-mask protesters saying that our civil liberties and our rights and freedoms are being infringed upon with COVID-19 restrictions, vaccine passports, uh, mask mandates, and in some cases, even vaccine mandates. Is there any legs to uh, their argument? I mean... Yes, it is an infringement of your rights to require you to prove your vaccination status to maintain your employment or to hold a government job or to access certain services, but it's a justifiable infringement of your rights. And this is a thing that a lot of people don't understand. Mm -hmm. The charter allows the government to infringe your rights if it is reasonably and demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. That's in the charter. That's in the charter. That's section okay. one of the charter. It's the first thing. <laughs> so they haven't read it, clearly, no, is no. what you're saying. You've got all these rights, except also we can infringe them if there's a good enough reason to do it. Right. And so I guess if this... Have the courts determined that this is a good enough reason? Yes. There have been numerous cases. We saw challenges to the travel restrictions. Okay. Um, even the Atlantic bubble very early on in the pandemic, there was a, a challenge brought to that. And the court said, look, it's a pandemic. We don't know yet enough about the science behind this virus to say that these infringements are not justified, but they are aimed at protecting lives. They're aimed at saving people from getting serious illness and death. Mm -hmm. So they are justified infringements insofar as, lo as long as the science is either unknown or continues to support them. And yeah. the science has been the driving force behind all of the decisions the government's been making. So basically what you're saying is that in, in some respect, the people that are mad about the restrictions are correct, that our rights are being infringed upon, but they're failing to mention that this is totally legal and within our constitutional uh, existence, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, some of the things that they're mad about aren't infringements of your rights, like to say that you have to show your vaccination status to go to a restaurant. There is nothing in the charter, I'm sure, because I've read it, <laughs> that says that you can dine out at a restaurant. There isn't. No, it's okay. not a protected right. Well, that's good to know. Now, I have a question for a lot of employers. If you are in an office setting or any sort of employment setting, can you mandate your employees to be vaccinated? 
Yes. And, and are you allowed to check their vaccination status? So you can issue a mandate uh, that your employees have to be vaccinated. If it's um, going to be issued as a condition of employment, it has to be, uh, employees have to be given sufficient notice that they have time to comply with the vaccination mandate. Mm-hmm. And then for any new hires, you can make vaccination a condition of employment. As long as it's designed with the goal of protecting the health and safety of the workplace in mind, you as an employer basically have carte blanche to impose any restrictions on employees employment that you want. Now, if it's not legitimately connected to the health and safety of the workers in the workplace, then you might not get away with it. But realistically, requiring people in a workplace where there's shared air (laughs) in a respiratory pandemic is obviously a justifiable action. Do you have to be able to give an option for the employee to work at home? So yes, if the employee actually can't be vaccinated. So you do have a duty Mm. to accommodate as an employer. And what is, sorry, to interrupt, but what does that mean can't be vaccinated? Are there specific conditions? Can you say it's just my conspiratorial belief that the vaccines are evil or no no (laughs) again conspiratorial belief is not a protected human rights ground if you had a legitimately held religious belief a legitimately held medical reason why you could not be vaccinated like if you had an allergy to the vaccine that would cause you to die if you took it then yes your employer would have to accommodate you but the accommodation itself is only to the extent of undue hardship So if your employer would suffer undue hardship by accommodating your disability or accommodating your religious freedom, then they don't have to accommodate you. Right. So in the case that it's just not possible for you to work at home, they don't have to... Yeah, I mean, if, it, if your job requires you to be there, for example, if you're a retail worker mm-hmm. and your employer issues a vaccine requirement, obviously you can't do your retail work from home. If there's no way to accommodate you as far as working for the business that's not going to cause the business undue hardship, then you can't continue to maintain that employment. Right. I mean, if your job was as a professional pianist and you were in an accident and you lost all of your fingers, mm-hmm. you can no longer be a pianist. Sure. So yeah. they can't, you, know, you can't be, continue to be employed in that capacity. I know that's a, a bit of an extreme example, but it's, you know, it's essentially how you have to look at what the hardship is that the employer would suffer. So you've made this relatively clear cut, but are we going to see court challenges from potential employees, you know, going after their employers and saying, you laid me off because I didn't get this vaccine? We're, we're already seeing those challenges. They happen mostly in the Human Rights Tribunal. And okay. the Human Rights Tribunal has been publishing all sorts of decisions, particularly dealing with employees who are filing human rights claims, saying, my employer is discriminating against me by requiring me to wear a mask or by requiring me to get vaccinated. And I have a religious reason or a political belief mask wearing and vaccination is not a political, <laughs> a legitimately held political belief. Um, but the, you know, these are the cases that the Human Rights Tribunal is seeing. And they've even gone so far as to take an almost unprecedented step of issuing a decision saying, unless you provide us at the time of filing with your complaint, proof that you have a legitimate human rights issue that needs to be accommodated, we're going to dismiss your complaint outright. Hmm. Now, I'm thinking about some businesses as well, because they might have some legitimate gripes. Some businesses have unfortunately had to shut down just because of restrictions. I'm sure they could prove damages to their business because of some COVID-19 restrictions. If they're able to prove damages, can they take the government to court and say, you put me out of business or you you cost me all these profits that I would have made otherwise? That's such a good question. And 
for me, as somebody who has sued the government before, uh, it's very difficult to sue the government for decisions that they make that are designed in the role of protecting the population. Mm. Essentially, if you're harmed by a government's decision, but the government had a legitimate basis consistent with its duty to the public and, and its governmental role to make that decision, unless there was some sort of negligence or some sort of um, really specific intent to harm your business, you're probably not going to be able to sue. So like, you'd need to prove misfeasance in public office, which is just not going to be possible. <laughs> Fair enough. We are now in the podcast exclusive part of my chat with Kyla Lee. Kyla, thanks for sticking around. I have nothing better to do. <laughs> That makes me feel really good. Thanks yeah, for saying you're that. Welcome. <laughs> so I have a lot of questions to ask you about like actual things, but I just learned, despite us being friends for a couple of years now, you don't drink water at all and haven't for many years? Yeah, I think the last time I had water was December 2013. I was Why? Like, I, was, I don't like water. It's gross. It's neutral. No, it's not. It tastes disgusting. It's slimy. And it's... it Slimy? Yes, it has the worst texture and it tastes awful. I cannot stand water. I don't drink it. I, I had a sip of water one time in a trial because I was like choking and... Everyone, this was like a week-long trial, and everybody knew by the that point that I don't drink water. And I picked up the glass of water, and silence fell on the room. Everybody was like, "What is she doing?" Because I don't drink water. This is so weird. I'm sorry. I'm not, not to judge your dietary <laughs> People think preferences. It's weird. I told a doctor once. It's but water is good for you. No, it's not. You don't need water. You get water from from other, other food. I know, but like still, like you want to stay hydrated. Yeah, I, I'm hydrated. So what do you drink? Uh, a lot of diet Pepsi. <laughs> so healthy. Yeah. What do you want? What do you want? The Trump diet? What's going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the first time I was on your podcast, Mo, we talked about my similarities with we Trump. We did. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is another one. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that was surprising because you were offered water and you were like, I haven't drank water since 2013. You're going on 10 years now. Do you get a chip for that? Probably, yeah. We meet it at Waters Anonymous. <laughs> they give me a chip. Water haters anonymous. Yeah. Uh, so actually, what I did want to talk about was uh, this pandemic thing. <laughs> Some people might have heard of it. Kobe's still not Ovi. I know it's so annoying. You know what else is not Ovi? That phrase that I've been trying to push that on you've CBC been using all the time. <laughs> I've been I, ignoring politely. I don't think uh, I don't think it caught on with uh, Gloria Macarenko. I think she kind of just like nodded and a hud. Yeah, that one. <laughs> it's okay. I'm you know the longer this pandemic lasts, the more masks I'm wearing. Yeah, and I saw you walked in with three. Three. Impressive. Yeah, I'm up to three masks. Wow, you had uh, COVID. Like at the start, you had COVID classic. Yes. OG COVID. Yes. I'm, I'm. We talked about, we talked about how it was when you were last on the podcast, episode uh, 89. How is it now? Do you have any long COVID symptoms? Does it still come up? Yeah, I still get uh, like lasting effects from it. Um, I'm still quite fatigued. I've really? Been, yeah. And because I never got like a formal test with a diagnosis, I can't go to any COVID clinics. So I'm not getting any of the like long haul support. So I've been going through the medical system in an alternative path. They've put me on some medication that's working really well. Um, it's helped a lot. I can get out of bed. Hooray. <laughs> so th the effects were still are still lingering for you this is yeah. this was a year and a half ago this was yeah in march 2020 but it's still like i'm not 
who I Two used to be. Two years ago almost. Wow. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> um, I'm not who I used to be. Like, I'm not as smart. I'm not as fast. My memory is not as good. I mean, maybe I'm just aging. I don't know, though. <laughs> Don't I say mean, it. don't agree. <laughs> You're not allowed to agree. With it. It's good this is on the audio format because I had a lot of facial expressions <laughs> <You did>. there. <laughs> well, no, I am sorry to hear that. That is that is terrible, and I think that's one of the things that people forget. And when we talk mm-hmm. about you know anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers, it's like. Sure, okay, you're not going to die, but you don't want to get COVID. No, no. Oh, I had a family member this morning. I was, like, browsing Facebook, which is the worst thing to do when you're terrified of COVID. Because you get alternatively completely fear-inducing content and completely rage-inducing content. So this morning I got my good healthy dose of wake-up rage uh, when a family member of mine posted a link to a video where somebody was like, oh, well, you know, now it seems like the hospitalizations are going down even the infections are going up, so maybe COVID's really just a cold and we don't need to worry about it because people aren't dying and getting hospitalized as much. But what about the long-term effects? Yeah. Like, nobody is having that conversation when they're saying, oh, this is turning into more of a mild cold with Omicron. Nobody is having the conversation of, we don't know how the long-term effects of Omicron are going to play out, but if we look at the people who had Delta, if we look at the people who had COVID OG, uh, they're still suffering. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, the anti-vaxxers are like, we don't know the long-term effects of vaccines. <laughs> but they never question the long-term effects I, you of know COVID. What? I can tell you what the long-term effects of vaccines are. It's been well-studied and well-documented. Disease eradication? <gasps> yes! <laughs> Immunity! <laughs> I'm not even a scientist, and yeah. I know that. Um, yeah, I mean, so... I, I did want to talk about this and have a bit of a, a personal retrospective in terms of how COVID has affected us. Uh, I feel very super privileged in my life where, you know, it hasn't really affected me. And obviously the restrictions have, but it hasn't really. So you're uh, like one dampered. of those people that Bonnie Henry says don't exist anymore, but like don't know anybody uh, for personally now. who. For, well, I know you. You know me, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it hasn't affected me in that sense. Like, not a family member, or I mean, I live alone, so not anyone in my household. I'm not a business person who suffered because of COVID. Like, I've had a pretty banner year in 2021. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very privileged. But, but I did find that, like, like I obey all the restrictions. And I do yeah. take my, uh, I do make my decisions based on what the public health officer is saying. And I actually did not attend a dinner party on New Year's Eve. It was 10 people. I was invited to go to this party. You know, modest party, I guess, but it was supposed to be just like dinner and not no one's getting crazy or anything. And I'm so grateful for my friend uh, Jolene because she decided that she wasn't comfortable going. And I already wasn't comfortable either, but I didn't want to flake on my friend. You know, it was one of those tough decisions you have to make. But as soon as she pulled out, I was just like, well... Obviously, I'm not going to go. You mean what you said was Jolene, Jolene, I'm begging you, please don't go to that party? I I mean, not in so many (laughs) words or as musically as you just put it, but something similar to that. But she was the one that kind of decided, like, no, I don't want to go. And then I find out this week, everyone at that party, and there was only like 10 people, they all got COVID. Oh, my God. Dodge that bullet for now. Okay. Yeah. So that was really my only... um, my, my only real brush with COVID, I suppose. <laughs> Knock on wood. It's just, you know, I'm double vaxxed. I'm boosted. 
I love the vaccine passport. It actually makes me feel much more comfortable mm -hmm. in restaurants or wherever else. Um, but I'm kind of feeling like Dr. Henry is giving up on ordering restrictions. Like she doesn't, and, and I'm not going to the extreme of taking her quotes out of context or anything, but it just seems like where we see other provinces like clamping down on things, we clamp down on gyms here. Um, but otherwise we haven't gone to the extremes of Ontario or Quebec. We delayed and school. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. We didn't uh, move up boosters for teachers, but we delayed school. Sure. Mask mandate remains in effect. The um, but that that already existed. Vaccine, but it, it's there's still layers of protection that help us, and I think at the same time, I, I mean, I don't know. For me, I understand where the government's coming from in not wanting to impose more restrictions because more restrictions lead to more violations. You have mm. more people well, that of course. are angry. You can't violate a rule if it doesn't exist. Well, it's not just that. It's that people are so fed up now. It's two years of this, two years of Im economic impact, two years of impact on, on businesses, two years of everybody having to figure out what the rules are and adapt to changing rules. It's two years of parents having to struggle because childcare situations become more complex while they're working. It's two years of employers having to deal with employees who are phoning in going, I'm scared of COVID. I don't want to come into work today. Yeah. Um, you know, the government's obviously got to think about all of those long-term financial impacts of COVID. And there's no evidence that we're seeing from other jurisdictions, from Ontario, from Quebec, from the places that have imposed these significant restrictions, that they've actually done anything to substantially curb the spread of COVID. Look, Ontario had lockdowns, but they still had numbers that were higher than ours consistently. Mm -hmm. And positivity rates that were higher than ours consistently. Quebec, same thing. So, I don't know, like we're not New Zealand, we can't just go, we're closing our borders, screw you, you know, Jacinda Ardern is our wonderful I don't overlord. know what the solution is. What I'm saying <laughs> is, I just feel like the communication lately has been like, listen guys, you know what to do, businesses, you guys know what to do, just figure it out. And, like, why would I self-impose restrictions on myself? Am I a bad person for, like, I'm just gonna... But you do. But you do, Mo. I do? Yeah, you didn't go to that party. I don't even know if that fell under restrictions or not, to be honest. It was honest. less than 10 people. Sure. So. I mean, maybe pushing it a little bit, but sure. You could have gone. And, uh, I mean, you self-imposed restrictions because I know you're not outgoing to social events that are out there that are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. I know you're not socializing with large groups of people. I know you're not having parties at your house because well, if you are, you haven't invited me. Because who's going to clean that mess up? <laughs> exactly. That's the real reason. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you are imposing restrictions. You are using your common sense and that's the majority of people. Right. But do you feel like we're at a point where also government has kind of said, listen, you're, we're all going to get Omicron? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've basically come out and said that. And then they're like, well, don't take us, we mean you're going to be exposed to it and you're not going to get it. But like, it does really kind of feel like they're just resigned to the fact that everybody's going to get some form of COVID at some point. And I know that she has been saying this entire time, well, yeah, eventually this is just going to be part of our regular respiratory season. This is just going to be another virus that we contend with in cold and flu season every year. Yeah. I feel like maybe we're too early to say that that's the case. Yeah, you don't want to call it endemic. Variations. You don't want to call it endemic just yet, like Alberta did. 
But but Alberta also shut their courts for the rest of January, and here in BC, we've closed for a week. Right. But that's what I mean. It just feels like the response... And again, I'm not talking about science. I'm not saying what is right or wrong. I'm saying as just a private individual, I just feel like the response has been kind of just shrugging this. Like, okay, we're going to do some stuff, but not other stuff like other places, other jurisdictions in Canada are doing. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, too, if psychologically for the people that are making the decisions, there is some, you know, I'm, I'm armchair psychologisting now. Uh, yeah, that's what we do. That's what uh, we do, especially in the podcast, podcast version. For. We can't, TV version is hard to get away with that. but uh, Podcast, Kylo becomes a shrink. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. When people are, there are days where people, we've talked about this, are very vocal about how much they dislike what I do for a living. And it does kind of take the wind out of my sails sometimes where mm. I'm like, I, you know, I, I'm just I'm going to fight this fight, but I'm not going to fight this fight as fighty as I normally fight it. <laughs> Maybe there's some of that in the people, you know, in government and in the health officials. Like, okay, no matter what we do, people are going to criticize us. They're going to say it's too much or not enough all at the same time. There's no happy middle. <laughs> it. Am I allowed to say that on this? No, you're not, no. but we're, I have oh. to censor that later. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we can just edit that clip out and I'll go, screw it. <laughs> There's new restrictions now. New, we're, we're in mainstream right. media. Mainstream media. Okay. Yeah, I, I get what you're. I get what you're saying. I, but the but the screw it attitude just seems. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the health authority. Like even amongst people I know who are just kind of like screw it. And the the gym thing was big. I've never seen that kind of reaction from my own social circles who were so mad that the gyms were closed. So mad. And people who are otherwise very reasonable, obeying all the restrictions on board, but they were so upset. And I and I remember talking to a, a buddy of mine and I just said like, are you upset because you don't think it matters or are you upset because you think it's inconsistent? And his thing was, he thought that the closure of gyms and fitness centers was inconsistent with everything else that you can still go to Canucks games and theaters and all this stuff. And I gotta say the Canucks games thing to me is weird. It is weird. It's super weird. Theaters are kind of weird too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're taking off that mask and you're drinking your beer or whatever. And it's airborne, right? Like it is. I went, I went to so. the IMAX over the holidays with my parents and I of course did my crazy triple masking mm -hmm. <laughs> and sat there and they gave me like a like a sign to put on the seat next to me if I didn't want anyone to sit next to me and I'm like, oh. Well they gave you a sign. Yeah, They're they leaving it up like to a you. Distancing That's sign. not yeah. smart. That's no, not good. I know, and it was fifty percent capacity, but it was full to fifty percent capacity. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm super comfortable with this. Like as I'm sitting here, it seems terrifying. I'll do you one better. I went to the movie theaters over the holidays. And yeah, I thought it was capacity. They're going to space people out. You have to, you pick your seats or whatever. Like they assign you the seats. I had people sitting beside me. No. And I was, no, I'm not even joking. And I literally was like, do I have the, I made sure I had the right seat. And then I just politely asked the person beside me. I'm like, hey, like, uh, are you sitting in the right seats? And they were sitting in the right seats. They showed me their ticket. And I was like this. And I checked there. I'm like, yeah, same. Like, this is the right theater and time. And like, Okay. And yeah. then what do you do, right? Like, well, you can't kick COVID if somebody's eating or drinking. 
As we That's all know. That's the special code. That's the cheat code. <laughs> oh, wait, they're eating. Sorry, viruses. Stand down. No. Um, the, the butter in the popcorn suppresses. <laughs> this is not scientific if advice. Please do not true, take this. I yeah. would be immune. <laughs> I would have had immunity a long time ago. Um, but that struck me as weird. Because, again, then why are they even assigning seats? Like, and, and I'm a season ticket holder for the Canucks. And before, like, every game now, they're sending out an email being like, you can still go to the game and you can still have your specific seats. Like, but, all but then whose seats did they cut? Yeah, well, they're cutting all the seats for the people who aren't season ticket Oh, right, first. that makes sense, that makes sense. But all the season ticket sections are all, like, together. Yeah. So you're putting people that are close together, you know, closer usually to the ice. Some people have got the, the... But usually the people who are spending the money on the season tickets are getting them closer to the ice. So you're having all these people. You're at 50% capacity, but they're all squished in the same place anyway. I don't know. It's weird. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. And I know that I'm sure there's a logic or I'm thinking not a behind scientist. it. But I, it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And I, I do feel for the people who are upset that their gym or fitness center, because they were checking vaccine passports there as well. And I guess yeah. if you're a gym member, you just have to show it the one time or whatever. But that was a relatively safe environment. Like, you think that they might have some workarounds, lower capacity, but just to shut them all down. Like, I understand the frustration. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. The, what they did with gyms. I'm just I mean, I was I surprised at the vitriol from the gym crowd. It seemed like reminiscent, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Do it. Of the teacher vitriol that we see. Um, wow. So, I know I I'm said the T word. But they, just, they should get boosters first. Come oh, on. I, eh, But they are going to get boosters first. They were prioritized for first doses. And they're now that they've opened up their booster thing and who knows what the heck was going on that kept them from doing the booster sooner they are in line first for boosters by virtue of that six-month window the only people who were prioritized well terry mooring this week as of recording is still on the like in the media on the radio saying that we we're not getting our booster invitations yeah, there's lots of people who are past their six months not getting their booster invitations. 45% of them have gone out or will have gone out by the end of this week. Mm. They're working on it. They're, and that's in a week. But in should, a week. But should you not prioritize teachers over someone who... But they are prioritized because they were priority first dose and your first dose indi- invitation dictated when you got your second dose invitation. Right. And then your second dose invitation dictates when you get your booster invitation because it has to be... So the- you're saying Terry Mooring's complaints are much ado about nothing? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Teachers, please come <laughs> at me on Twitter as you do. Yeah, don't come at me. I'm pro-teacher. I, I, they should have been, they been boosted. You know, first, look, I, think. I posted something the other day asking about how I didn't understand the teachers' complaints before back-to-school delays were announced about staff absences and teacher absences because there's teachers on call. Like, if I'm sick and I can't go to court, mm-hmm. I can't go to court, my matter gets adjourned, my client has to wait to have justice another day. Um, but if a teacher's sick, there's like a whole bank of teachers out there that you can phone up and be like, can you come cover for me? Now, a long, 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 long time ago, (laughs) I used to work in schools Mm -hmm. as an educational assistant. Oh, okay. And so I was aware of that there were, in the district I worked in specifically, a very long list of teachers on call. My dad was also, as we've talked about, a high school principal, and I'd, you know, see him every year at the end of the school year, and he'd have, like, a list of staff, teachers, literally draws a line 
this is the number of teachers that we can hire back. Mm. This is the line. Everyone with lower seniority below this line goes to the teacher on call list. And as positions open up, of course, they get filled. But there were always plenty of TOCs in the district right. when I worked there and when my dad worked there. So this was my understanding. And the response I got was, you're not a mother, so you're not entitled to an opinion. You don't know anybody who's ever worked in schools, so you're not entitled to an opinion. You don't care about anybody who works in schools. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have family members that are still teachers. Yeah. Like, I, if you're asking me to rational. choose between lawyers and teachers in terms of who I sympathize with, I'm, I'm, I'm going with teachers. Of course, everybody's going with teachers. I'm not saying that the, there's a sympathy order, but I'm saying some of the reactions that have been coming from certain crowds are not rational. Yeah. Um, and you I, seem to be really defending the provincial health office and, and, and Dr. Henry here. Well, I Where think, I think public opinion, including my own, if not turned, like I just... Like I used to be like, I would probably have, if I had a printer when I was stuck at home, would have probably printed out one of those like Bonnie Henry Hope posters, like the Obama parodies and put it on my wall. Sure, I was like that too. But, and I'm not like that anymore. But at the same time, she's got the hardest job in the province. I don't disagree. I'm not even saying she should step down. I'm just saying that it I've been personally just confused and frustrated with some of the management in this fifth wave in particular. That's all I'm saying. And I think a lot of British Columbians are are feeling the same way. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm going to trust that she as a scientist and a doctor, not a politician. Yeah is trying to do what she believes is medically and scientifically right. And I am neither of those things. And I'm going to put my faith in the expert, even when it seems confusing and frustrating and contradictory to me. I'm not saying I have solutions. I'm looking at it from a comms angle. Oh, wow. and I, and <laughs> Government comms. <laughs> sure, but, but a comms angle, but then just the realistic... Uh, realization that we're going to look at other jurisdictions that are going through the same thing and go, mm -hmm. hey, they're doing that, and there's actually kind of some trends here. Why aren't we doing this? And it's again, that is not undermining her expertise or the fact that she's a scientist and I'm a dummy. It's just <laughs> saying that, like... I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I'm just saying that some of the frustration and head scratching is warranted and i don't think it's i don't think you can just dismiss that by saying well she's a scientist and it's like yeah of course she's a scientist yeah, i understand I, look, but we can't are, deny people's frustration or confusion people are a hundred percent entitled to be frustrated and confused we're in a pandemic if we're not frustrated and confused then i don't think that we are in a pandemic anymore and as soon as i cease to be frustrated and confused while blindingly trusting science um then, you know, I'll feel better on the other side. But I just think that it's not the fault of the government that we are frustrated and confused. It's the fault of the virus. <sighs> Look at that. My, <laughs> my wheelhouse. <laughs> no, my wheelhouse is blaming government. I need someone to blame. Yeah, well, I like to blame people, too, but isn't it more fun to blame the virus? Because you know who we can all hate? Who? Kobe. Kobe. <laughs> Still not Ovi. You know. Kobe never going to be Ovi. It's just, it just feels like every time we get a little bit of hope, something new comes up. Yeah, but 
um, the more waves that we have, the more natural immunity we'll have. And clearly that plan's working out great. Is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I'm sure just, if you were being dig, serious. That was my dig at the anti-vaxxers. Ah, uh, got it. No, you have to be very literal, just so we are clear. <laughs> just so we're very clear that Kylo believes in vaccines and not natural immunity. How, okay, you've obviously been affected by covid personally, but just in terms of pandemic restrictions and how our society has changed, what has sort of stuck out in your mind or or affected you the most on Um, a personal level? My grandma died in September and she and I were like so close. So, 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 so close. Um, I used to, when I was like a little kid, And I'd have a fight with my parents because, I don't know, they wouldn't let me stay up till 9 o'clock or whatever, like something stupid. I would call her. And she would just listen to me on the phone for as long as I wanted to talk to her about how horrible my parents were or whatever. And she would talk to me. And we used to talk on the phone for hours, um, even when I was in university. Um, I remember the day I told her that I was going to go move to Vancouver and and go to UBC and she cried and it was like the only time in my life I ever saw her cry. Um, You know, we used to walk to church together every Sunday and um, she would hold my hand as we walked along the side of the highway. So like, she was maybe my best friend in the world for Hmm. most of my life. And it was very, very hard. She loved Christmas so much it was her favorite holiday she'd deck out her house like Mm. to the nines um she'd buy christmas presents santa would come to us twice because santa visited us at her house too because of how much she loved christmas and my last christmas with her was 2020 2020 and which was heavily restricted heavily restricted it was you can't be outside your own household and of course as a single person i was only allowed one household I wasn't even technically allowed to go back to the island to see my family, but thankfully I had court there, so I actually had to go back Mm. the week before Christmas. And I was like, thank God, because now I can go to my parents' house and I can stay and be there for Christmas, and that'll be my household. Um, My brother built her a room. He took her garage. She had like a two-car garage. He sealed it off with plexiglass and wood so that you could come into the garage via the garage door and she could come out via her house and it would be completely separate air. Wow. Be, That's pretty and cool. And we like shouted at each other through a plexiglass <laughs> divider, but she was blind and deaf. Yeah. So she couldn't hear me. She couldn't see me. And that was my last Christmas with her. Really? It was like, oh my God, this year I was so sad. I think I cried most of Christmas day. Wow. I'm sorry for your loss. I actually did not know that. Um, yeah. That's tough. That's yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, she was, I don't know. I wish you could have met her. She was the best person. Yeah. And she would have loved you. Really? Oh, she loved everybody. She would have given you gifts. <laughs> that was her thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, and, and that's the thing about a lot of this is, you know, when we think about, and, and I've, thought of, I've thought about this in terms of, like, um, kids graduating high school. Like, they miss out on the graduation and these sort of things that we do like maybe take for granted, but also cherish. Like we cherish, mm-hmm. you know, having those ceremonies and those cultural moments. Uh, I've certainly thought about people who have lost uh, family members during the pandemic, either because of COVID or not, and then being unable to properly celebrate their lives because of where we were 
in restrictions. And it is, you know, I was going to say something very silly, which, which I'll <laughs> maybe we'll get into later. But just since we are getting heavy, like there is something to be said about losing the this time, losing time with people. Yeah. But then also losing these like cultural moments that that do create our culture ultimately. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes you realize, too, how much you take all of that for granted. Yeah. Like, you know, um, every Christmas going to her house and, and all of that was always just like, that's just what we do. And it's it's great. And I loved it. Lived for it. Um, but when we had COVID Christmas, it was like, okay, well, we're going to get through this this year. And then next year, it'll be back to normal. And then... Right. <clears throat> not only was she gone, but it was also not normal. It's still not normal. There were still restrictions. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It just feels like like I'm being robbed of... And I, I know everybody's going through this, and it's very selfish to say I'm being robbed, but I'm being robbed of important moments and important things to my family. Yeah. When, my, when my grandfather passed away, which was before COVID... Before he died, like, as he was dying, while he was in the hospital, we were all there. Everybody was there in right. the hospital room. He wasn't alone. He was surrounded by family. We all got to be there for each other and for him. And um, it was just really, really nice. And then when she passed away, it was two people at a time in the hospital room with masks. Wow. And it, it's just not, you know. It's not the same. And it's not how she wanted to go because family was her her yearbook she wrote that she wanted to be a mother and then a grandmother. Like that was her goal in life. Hmm. And she lost that in her last moments. Yeah. And that's not fair. No, it's not. It's, um, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, again, sorry to hear that. And unfortunately it has been this reality for so many people. And it's, what, you're not going to come back and ask me to defend the government again, are you? No, because no. <laughs> now I'm mad. We're just talking about we're just talking about personal experiences through this. It's it, it, and again, not to be not to make it too much lighter, but I think that's also why some people have, as you've kind of alluded to, not just the government, but I think people in general have just been like, yeah, screw it. Like I know people who are going on trips, and they just said we're tired of putting our lives on. But you can hold. go on trips now. Some Those are allowed. Are know that you're allowed but like you're not supposed yeah. to really <laughs> not recommended <laughs> it's not recommended i've yeah. gone on trips though but they're work trips yeah those are work trips that's yeah. different yeah i'm still very uncomfortable traveling my fear is being stuck somewhere that's my fear too um especially now with like the airline crews and all the interruptions to travel that's happening as a result of crew members testing mm. positive or being delayed because of testing requirements that's terrifying me because for work i go like i go all over north america i go to you know i've been to whitehorse and to Edson, alberta and to all the, all the and, hot destinations yeah, know, just right? partying it up in Edson. yeah it's great i gotta go to halifax later this year that's actually like, pretty nice yeah, yeah i'm <laughs> kind of stoked about that trip i'm not gonna lie um but like a lot of my schedule is get on a plane, get off a plane, get on a boat, get on a plane, get off a plane, drive to another place. Like my schedule is dependent on all of my flights and all of my travel yeah. lining up perfectly. And so I'm terrified about the impact of all of this. I'm terrified that if I have to do some of my work in the US, that then 
I can't get back into Canada because rapid test turns out positive or because flights are canceled or Canada suddenly imposes more restrictions again on right. international travel. Like I, ugh. yeah, those are all important things to keep in mind, but yeah, I'm just feeling like a lot of people, and I don't want to say they're breaking restrictions, but I just feel like they're, they've kind of tuned they're out. They're taking the personal responsibility that the government is asking them to take. Right. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And so you're going back to what we were saying earlier. You think that the government should force people into a position of personal responsibility. They're, because what they're doing is it's, it's more than guidelines. It's saying like, listen, if we're going to get through this, we need to do all this stuff. X, Y, and Z. And that's where I take my cues. Like if, I, if I'm allowed to do something, probably going to do it. Although I would say that if you looked at compliance with the restrictions, in the early stages, you know, when we had the closest thing that we had to lockdown in BC, which was voluntarily people closing their businesses and staying at home. Um, when you looked at that and you compare it to like the second wave or the third wave, compliance was going down even when we had restrictions in place. I don't think that restrictions necessarily um, continuing to impose them are necessarily going to lead to continued compliance. And I know there's like this social science thinking that if you have the restrictions, people are naturally rule followers and they're more likely mm -hmm. to follow the rules. But I think because the rules are becoming increasingly frustrated and now because there's this more personal element to COVID and that so many people are getting infected and so many people know somebody that's infected, it's like, you know, the inevitability of it is really wearing on people. I think that the restrictions would be about as close to meaningless as guidelines and recommendations. Wow, that's that is a hot take. And like, I mean, honestly, if you violate the restrictions, what's the penalty these days? It's a fine. Should be jail time. It well, that's it was. a joke. That's it a was joke. for one guy though. It, well, that guy was a little ridiculous. That, yeah, the guy who was throwing parties, right? <laughs> yeah, like he, every weekend. Yeah. yeah, that was a little in his luxury. Condo. He wanted he wanted to uh, go to jail. Get, go to jail. <laughs> he wanted to be. He so he's, he was really fighting for his right to martyr party. for his cause. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, all sensible people were looking at him, going, "No, dude." Yeah. <laughs> Are we microdosing the apocalypse? Because I I heard that and I keep saying it because I just feel like it's just the slow slog. To yeah. The end. Which I, I guess mean, could be like a description of life as what's it is. That, what's that poem by William Butler Yeats? This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper? That's not Yeats. That's, that's not uh, Yeats. No, that's T.S. Um, Eliot. That's not T.S. Eliot. 100% it is. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure it's not um, Dylan Thomas? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can fact check me after the podcast and I'll put a disclaimer, <laughs> but I'm 99% sure it is T.S. Eliot. Okay. Well, whatever. The world the wasteland? ends. I can't remember what the poem's, yeah. poem's called. It, but it ends with a, with a whimper. Maybe we're getting to the whimper. Cool. <laughs> yeah. This is depressing, Mo. Least, Lighten this podcast up. Your listeners. I mean, are. Uh, you know, listen. I, like I said, I'm very privileged. I had a really good 2021. So I'm, I'm going out on top. If I'm, if I'm going down, I'm going out on top. I'm, uh, but I don't know. It, it does. I do what I will say, and I'm, I'm being facetious here because I also struggle with what I call the COVID coasters that I get into yeah. moods and, and it's just through each wave and and how we're moving through them. Yeah, like I'll definitely be down for weeks, maybe even a couple of months, and you just I just push through it. It's how I process things. But yeah, it just I, I definitely get that existential dread more than I ever have. Is that which aging? I guess makes sense? Are you aging? 
Well, is it cliche? Because doesn't every generation at some point have an inflection point where they're like, is this the end of the world? Although I feel like, I don't know, we're, we're the same generation. Don't you feel like kind of that's been our entire existence? No, not mine. Really? No. Well, I don't know. I feel like growing up, um, I don't know, maybe I was weird. I was very concerned about the environment and the planet. And I know you're like surprised because I'm like not a raging environmentalist now. But I was when I was younger. Wow. Yeah. And then I was like a vegetarian. I was concerned about animals. And I was like big into the rainforest. And And now I've been to your place and you are clearly not that concerned with animals. I love animals. (laughs) I think they are beautiful. You're so beautiful that you need to have them displayed in your Look, home. okay. You can you can tell your listeners I have a very large, impressive collection of taxidermy because one day I woke up and I thought, I think I'm gonna start collecting taxidermy. That's literally how it started. How many years ago? Um this was in my second year of law school, so I guess twelve years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And all of my pieces are secondhand. Okay. I don't get anything shot and killed. You don't commission. I don't pieces. commission anything. Everything I get is something that somebody owned. A lot of it I purchased off the people who, elderly people who shot the things years and years and years ago and are like moving into long-term care or something like that and downsizing their stuff. And I'm buying it off them and giving it a home where the death of the animal is not something that is just wasted. It's, it's being appreciated. And so the animal's sacrifice is not in vain. That's how I view it. What's your count at right now with how many pieces you have? Oh, I don't know. Like a hundred probably or more. (laughs) I've acquired a lot over the years. All scouring Craigslist. Do these appreciate in value? I don't know. I don't ever look into that. They're insured. I have them insured for a lot. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if there's like an, I'm sure there's an appreciating value as restrictions come in. You know, I almost got arrested at the border uh, with a piece of taxidermy once. What'd you have? Uh, A pheasant. (laughs) So driving across the border, I was in um, like Snohomish and I found this, like this, like weird oddities shop and I loved it and I bought it and I put it in the backseat of my car and I'm driving home and the border, they're like, do you have anything to declare? No. What's that? It's a, it's a pheasant. <laughs> He's like, I don't think you could bring that into Canada. And I was like, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Do they but th- now that you say that, <laughs> maybe it is. Do they have to check the rules or the laws? Yeah, so they sent me inside, and I waited there for like an hour while they were looking it up. And eventually they said, we have no idea whether you can or can't bring a pheasant into Canada. So we're just going to let you go. <laughs> I was like, Okay. But it wasn't a live pheasant. Like no, it was, no. It was, what does it matter? Like if you were bringing a burger across, you, no one's there, gonna be no, like. No, there's can't bring tons it of taxidermy you cannot bring in. Oh, um, yeah, like anything, um, African cats, for example, right. migratory birds. Um, there's oh, all these prohibitions. Yeah, so they had they had to try and figure out whether this was on the list of banned or whether it was on a list of things that you can bring in if you have papers. Like if you go to France, you can buy like coats made out of actual leopard. Yeah, you could not bring those back to Canada. I mean, who can afford it? Of course not. <laughs> no, that makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. It's already dead. It's already a coat. Who cares yeah, but what you it don't is? Encourage but I don't think you're encouraging students. it. It's there. And if you're just leaving it in a store or you're leaving it somewhere, it's... it's if I, if I, I don't know. rob this liquor store, someone else will rob it. No, that's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. 
Look, if you don't, if an animal dies to create a product that has a life beyond meat, right? And if we don't yeah. eat meat, we've wasted the life of the animal, sure. right? You, if we slaughter a hundred cows, but we only eat fifty cows worth of hamburger meat, that's a waste. Yeah, I think we can all recognize that food waste is a waste. But there are all sorts of other things that are made out of animals that are not appreciated because they've been considered taboo in our society. And I think that that has treated the animals' lives as a waste. You know, I'm going to have to have Rebecca Bretter, our common friend. Oh, God, no, you can't tell her, (laughs) Mo. You promised you would never tell her. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, I'm so sorry. Please never come to my house. We'll have to do a special podcast where it's both of you on at the same time. You know, Rebecca and I have had lunch together, and I asked her, like, is it okay if I order something with meat? And she says, look, my yes, yeah, she's is my very choice. kind. She's, she's yeah, got the world's largest heart. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think I think I just wanted to say so. One thing I have missed from the pandemic, we're going back to this because this is what we've been talking about. I've missed the big parties. I've missed the weddings, no. the big planned parties. No, no. not the lot the corporate events. Though that's actually, I'm glad that I've had to do less of that, less less networking, as it were. But I, I do miss like yeah, weddings and the big events like that. Not me. I hate weddings. Why? Honestly, if I never get invited to another wedding in my life, it will be too soon. So you're not going to be upset when I don't invite you to mine. You're not inviting me to your wedding? See, there you go. I'm like, she hates weddings. Why? You're supposed to say, I'm deliberately not inviting you because I know you don't like weddings and it would be That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Then no, I wouldn't be upset. I think that that was very thoughtful. Why do you hate weddings so much? I just think it's like tacky. Like, what, we're supposed to buy you a present and waste an entire day watching you make out because you fell in love? Good for you. Yeah. I'm I'm on, I'm on board on both sides of that equation. I'm 100% on board. It's offensive to the single crowd. <laughs> and then you get you get the weddings are the worst, right? Like as a single person, you get asked. I've always had a good time as a single person at a wedding. It's because they stick you at the singles table, not at the table with your parents. Oh, so yeah. you've just been to the wrong wedding, clearly. No, no, it's it's not for me. <sighs> I don't know. I'm not like I'm also not like a public displays of affection person. In the times in my life when I've been in a relationship, I've never been like holding hands or any of that. No. There's a reason why they've pitted us against each other on soapbox social. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you're a romantic. You oh, believe in love. Yes. And I believe in dying love and alone. Love and the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. That is what I believe in. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kyla, thanks so much. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Mo. Nice to see you in person. Yeah, I agree. Very nice. And we it's so weird. I, I know I'm going over time now. We debate every week. Yeah. But we never actually see each other. So I this know. was nice. Thank you. Folks, that's our podcast. Of course, she is my good friend, my colleague on Soapbox Social on CBC's On the Coast with Gloria Makarenko, criminal defense lawyer extraordinaire for Acumen Law Corporation, and now TikTok superstar. Find her on TikTok at Kyla Lee Lawyer or Twitter at IRP Lawyer. She is Kyla Lee, and I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Thank you.